Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose Spirit the whole body of the Church is governed and sanctified, hear our prayer which we offer for all your faithful people, that in their vocation and ministry they may serve you in holiness and truth, to the glory of your name, through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and for ever. Amen. The first reading is from the letter of Paul to the Romans, chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Today's Gospel reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, beginning at verse 16. At that time Jesus said, To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and any one to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary, and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. There can't be many people who haven't needed to hear those words at some point in their lives. I often meet people who are weary. They're weary from carrying the burden of chronic pain, weary of waiting for a diagnosis or for treatment, weary with anxiety about a family member, weary in their search for a job, weary from trying to make ends meet when they just won't, weary of the news of one disaster after another, of wars without end, climate crisis and global injustice, weary when they look at their own lives and wonder how has it come to this, whether this is as good as it gets, what it's really all about. I meet parents of small children who fear that they might never get a whole night's sleep again, and carers who desperately need a respite. I meet teachers and children weary from the pressurised pace of today's education system, longing for the end of term. I meet people worn down by office politics, by the daily commute, by the sense that life is slipping away from them. Of course, we can remind ourselves that others probably have it worse than we do. I can't imagine how weary you must feel if you're a refugee or a political prisoner or facing starvation as you watch your crops fail. But somehow weariness isn't a comparative thing. It's not lightened by knowing that others suffer more. We may feel we ought to be able to cope and rise above it, but we're too weary to know where to begin. There's an old poem which purports to be the epitaph of an overworked housewife. You may know it. It reads like this. Here lies a poor woman who was always tired. She lived in a house where help wasn't hired. Her last words on earth were, Dear friends, I'm going to where there's no cooking or washing or sewing. For everything there is exact to my wishes. For where they don't eat, there's no washing of dishes. I'll be where loud anthems will always be ringing, but having no voice, I'll be quit of the singing. Don't mourn for me now. Don't mourn for me never. I'm going to do nothing forever and ever. It's a popular poem because it encapsulates that sense of sheer exhaustion which comes over us all sometimes. For a moment at least, doing nothing forever and ever sounds attractive. In reality, though, most of us wouldn't find that restful at all. We don't like doing nothing. The things we do, even if they're sometimes challenging, can give us a sense of purpose. They can be interesting and absorbing. They can make us feel useful. Most of us like to be active, and we're healthier if we are, of course. The problems come when our busyness becomes burdensome, when it's forced on us by others, or is the product of our own need to prove ourselves. And the truth is that our weariness is often nothing to do with work at all. It can be just as wearing to sit at home with nothing to do, and the sense that life has no meaning. So, if doing nothing forever and ever isn't the answer, what is? 
Jesus promises rest to those who come to him, but what does he mean by that? There's another place in the Gospels where Jesus talks about people carrying burdens, and it might help us to understand what he's getting at here. In that passage, he criticises the religious experts who tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. He'd experienced this for himself when those same experts condemned him for healing people on the Sabbath. Healing was work, and you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. Never mind the real suffering of the person who was ill. Never mind the very obvious good to themselves and their families and their society that would come about if they were made well. It might look right, said those experts, but it must be wrong because it says in the Bible you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. Case closed. And if they'd had their way, those sick people that Jesus healed would have stayed sick. Jesus was indignant about this. You'd pull your donkey out of a well if it fell in on the Sabbath, he said. But you couldn't heal a human being who was suffering, even if you had the power to do so, because it was the wrong day of the week. How could this reflect the love of God and his desire for human good? Life is hard. It involves work and sometimes struggle. Jesus knew that. But when you pile on the guilt and shame and unrealistic expectations, is it any wonder that people crumple under the pressure? That's what I think he means by carrying heavy burdens. The experience not only of having to do the things you have to do, whatever that is, but having to do it under the weight of other people's judgments. You're trying to bring up your family on a low wage? Well, that's hard enough, but let's make it harder by telling you you're a scrounger when you need a bit of financial help. You're living with mental illness? Let's make that harder by reacting with fear or telling you to pull yourself together. Of course, as well as the burdens we place on one another, we're also usually pretty good at burdening ourselves. In today's first reading, St Paul seems to be torturing himself with his own shortcomings. When I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand, he says. Is he just overthinking? Well, maybe, but when we read this passage in context, it becomes clear that he's actually telling us how, in Christ, we can be delivered from this sort of agonising. Who will rescue me from this body of death, he laments. How can we be saved from continually beating ourselves up? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, is his answer to himself. Paul has discovered that God loves him, just as he is, just for himself, despite all he's done and all he's failed to do. It's nothing to do with him. It's all to do with God. And that's his good news here. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, says Jesus. He doesn't promise us that our lives won't have work in them. In fact, he calls us to take his yoke, his work, on our shoulders, the work of sharing the love we've found. But he does promise that if we come to him, if we depend on him, 
we'll find the true rest within the work he calls us to. The rest that comes from learning to see ourselves as God sees us, with his infinitely loving eyes. If we're feeling weary today, Jesus' words are for us. Amidst the clamour of a world that shouts messages at us that we ought to do this and we must do that, they tell us that God loves us anyway. They invite us to look at the burdens we carry and those we make others carry too. The yoke of Christ, the task he calls us to, is to join with him in creating a world where no one need bear burdens that aren't theirs and everyone can find blessing in their labour. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you.